Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, we have been spending a lot of time doing a deep dive into the success strategies of the Scary Time Success Manual, which has been incredibly illuminating and a lot of fun. And today we're on number nine. We're getting there. Only one left after this. So I'm excited by these conversations because I always leave feeling uplifted and energized and excited. And given that this is a pretty weird time that we're in, I think I really appreciate the value of these conversations. Today is forget about what's missing and to focus on what's available. Now, this is a really interesting idea because it's very easy to think about what's missing, but you have a different take on it. So can we just talk about this for a second? I think it's a really interesting context. Yeah, it's very interesting, Shannon, because we're also creating a book at the same time we're doing the podcast series, and we have cartoons in the book, and one of the cartoons shows people who are shocked by the sudden change that's brought about by scary times could be disruption, you know, they're blindsided by everything. But in one of the cartoons, I had to get this one in, is the person is looking very distressed. He says, where's my blankie? You know, I, as a child and many other children, you know, they have a doll, they have a teddy bear, or they have a blankie, and sometimes all three. But the blankie, you know, my blanket, I think it was Linus in the Charlie Brown series, Linus. Linus always had his blankie. But a blankie is called a security blanket. You know, you have a security blanket. And individuals have, usually unconsciously, they don't really, really know, but they have a whole number of factors that actually have to be around them. And they have to have everything ready before they can actually make decisions and take actions. And when the crisis happens, oftentimes those things disappear because they're related to having a regular routine, having, you know, a regular work schedule and everything else. And all of a sudden, all the things that are their security blanket have disappeared. And they say, well, I can't make any decisions. I can't take any actions. There's no progress possible. So that's really what we're getting at here. And it requires a gear change, a really fast gear change. Well, The things that I usually depend upon are not here, but what do I have available? Mm. So I really like this because, again, and this is going to theme through the series, is that it really is about adjusting quickly and adapting quickly and responding, as we talked about last time, quickly in terms of what you do have. And I like how you say here, a great creative response for you right now is to use every available resource you have today, tomorrow, and the next day to achieve as many small results as possible. So there's actually a lot lying around if you're paying attention to that versus paying attention to what's no longer true. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I have five areas that you can focus on. You know, and I have to say from, you know, my life experience that I've been really quick to be at home in new situations because you know, what's happening in the present and where I am is really all that's actually available to me. So I go looking, you know, I kind of do a mental inventory and kind of say, okay, well, you know, the usual is missing, but what do we have to work with here? And, you know, I've always enjoyed the series MacGyver because MacGyver, you know, was a person who could get out of the weirdest danger situations by using his ingenuity and improvising. 
And I admire that, but I actually am really quite good at that myself, of making myself at home, regardless of the circumstances. So for me, being at home simply means that I've adjusted and I've got kind of a normal around me, and I'm just going to focus on the normal that's available to me right now, even though it's a change from what was true yesterday. It's interesting because it's a very creative response, right? It's a very creative way of looking at things. Also, there's something, I just want to talk about this mental shift. It's like you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and go, okay, we've talked about this a few times. The pieces are going back in the box, you know, which ones do I want to pull back out again? And just looking at all of the raw capabilities and resources that you have means that you get to configure them in new ways. And you look at that as something, well, that is exciting and a way to be useful rather than mourning the old, if I think of it like a puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. The old puzzle is like, "Mm, it's not that picture anymore. You're like, "Mm, we can make a new picture is kind of my sense of your perspective on it. Yeah, I would say that that's kind of true. And I think that entrepreneurs seem to have this ability. I know some that, you know, it took them a month to recover from the pandemic crises that Mm -hmm. were Undergoing, this is the current scary times that you and I are doing the deep dive on right now. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that some people really got knocked off their feet. They certainly got knocked off their game, you know, that the the entrepreneurial game. And I think it's taken them a while to recover. But even that being the case, they will probably recover faster than a lot of the general population. Mm-hmm. You know, and the truth is the world needs some people who recover really quickly and start creating new, you know, new directions, new pathways, new areas of growth, new areas of opportunity. And we're going through that now because we're, as a general theme in society, as we're doing this particular podcast, there's the whole thing of now reopening the economy and how is that going to happen? It's a really interesting thing. but. In every population, there have to be certain individuals who pivot. They pivot really quickly. And I think this particular strategy and all the strategies in the Scary Time Success Manual are pivots in relationship to certain negative emotions or negative inclinations that happen when Mm -hmm. there's a scary times. And we're just documenting them. I mean, we picked 10 different negative ways that people can respond during scary times. And we have strategies for each one of them. So this one is when everything that you were counting on before is missing. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that made you comfortable and confident before is missing. Yeah. So what you really have to figure out is a new sense of capability and confidence with what's available to you. Mm -hmm. And Dan, I really like your line in terms of our preparation here is little achievements right now become really the new normal. It's really what you focus on. I love that idea of little achievements. You know, the big achievements that you were planning on, probably disrupted in some way, shape, or form, but there's a lot of little achievements that are available. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Those they can do. Yeah. One of my general themes is regardless where you are, what the circumstances are, what you're facing, be in motion. Okay. So my big thing is being in motion, be working on something. I think that our brain works best when we're focusing. Our brain works best when we have something that we can experience measurable progress with in a very short period of time. 
there was a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis was called True Lies. I love that movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger character is going through and he's thinking that Jamie Lee Curtis, his wife, is cheating on him and he's very, very depressed. Turns out not to be the case at all, you know, as the plot (laughs) develops, that's not the case at all, that they're actually spies and they're on the same side, but he's misreading and he's very depressed and Tom Arnold says, come on, he says, let's go out and find some terrorists and beat them up. It'll make you feel a lot better. (laughs) And I really struck that, that there was a very, very good, what I would say, common sense strategy there from Tom Arnold. You got to do something where you feel like you're winning. So I think that what we're talking about here is how do you start winning again And you can't win big the way that you thought before. You can't win in the projects that have now been suspended. You can't win if your freedom to take action has been limited. And more so in this scary times than any other previous one that I've experienced where you're physically limited. But there's still progress room. There's still achievement room. I really like that because this is a very specific pivot to being in motion, to focusing on little achievements. And our next, your actions, your prescriptions, I think are really spot on. So we'll get to those in a moment. But that's, okay, you couldn't be in motion the previous way, but you can still be in motion in a new way. And really redirecting your energy, your focus, your momentum is really what this is about, which is very doable. Mm-hmm. And people might even be doing it and they're not even realizing that they've been doing it. But if they're still measuring themselves against their old path, They're going to feel like they're falling short, what we call the gap between the reality and the previous ideal. But you're saying, okay, shift, shift Mm -hmm. your perspective, shift your focus, and then you can absolutely still be making progress. Yeah, you can't play the old game, so invent a new game. (laughs) I like inventing new games, Dan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's great. So let's jump into strategy number one, which is your freed up time. Yeah, that's a resource. You know, because your time that was occupied with the previous plan with the old normal, well, that schedule's gone. You're not able to actually fulfill the commitments or projects that you were working on. There were events ahead in the schedule, and they're not there anymore. So the first thing is you've gotten a big gain back. You got time back. Okay. It's important to recognize that right off the bat. That's the first resource that you want is that time not spent as planned is time that's returned to you. Mm-hmm. And it's the most valuable resource because everything you're going to now do really requires the time to do it. And you have the time back. And it's important to actually put a number. How many hours did I get back? Right. And right off the bat, if you're limited in travel, you got your travel time back again. You know, mm-hmm. if days in the schedule those things are no longer possible. Well, all those days and all those hours involved in doing something else is returned to you. So it's important. I just got 25 hours a week back. Well, I mean, during normal times, that's almost an impossible task. You can't get 25 hours back. You know, and I was very conscious of that before we went into scary times because I had gotten into the habit and then made it a project of not watching television. I'm almost at the two-year mark where I haven't watched television. And one day, I just spent about an hour figuring, on average, how much I watched during weekdays, how much I watched on weekends. And I 
came to, which I think is a very accurate number, and that is that it returned to me about 700 hours a year, okay? I mean, when you think about, you know, it's an immense amount of time, you know, it's like 14 hours a week that I got back. And this happened before the pandemic started and the lockdown started. I noticed that I was much more on top of everything after about a year and a half of having my time back from watching television. And I didn't feel I was paying any price for that because television for me was mainly about news. I would watch, you know, movies and I would watch Netflix. But I noticed that I have as much a passion for reading as I do for watching other people's depiction of stories. So that wasn't a price I had to pay, and I'm on the internet every day, and I enjoy the news much more on the internet than having TV commentators telling me what I should think about something. I'd rather just know what the something is that I want to think about, and I'll think about it the way that I want to think about it, not the way somebody else wants me to think about it. So I felt freed up from other people's opinions (laughs) and other people's biases. So it was really good. And that had all happened before this started. So I already had this experience of getting time back. Now I've gotten a lot of time back and I've gotten so much done. And, you know, you and I have been talking about this and we talked about it yesterday at our team meeting. But if I had done the amount of work in normal situations, normal circumstances that I did over the last six weeks, I would just be exhausted. I'd just be worn out. Mm -hmm. But I I don't feel that way at all. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that the new virtual world that we're doing our teamwork in and our project completion takes out a lot of the not being effective times. You know, you move Mm -hmm. one meeting to the other. You're only in the meeting for the length of time that it takes to get something done. Teamwork is much faster And the other thing is teamwork is much more accountable. One thing I've decided that you can't hide in the virtual world the way you can hide in the the real-time world. You know, when someone's not performing, it shows up a lot faster. If they're not meeting their deadlines, it shows up very, very fast. You know, you got to be ready for when the team gets together, you know, on Zoom in this case. So all that time back, I said, gee, I'm rich with time. So there's a resource. Now, what do I take the wealth of freed up time? What do I devote it to? And that takes us to our second one. There's cleanups. And you, as we were just starting our podcast, you were telling me that last night you just had to clean your work desk, that it was messy and not the way you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And, but that feels good. Yeah, it feels great. And it was fun because having lived in it for a little while, I'm like, okay, here's what's working. Here's what's not. Here's what I can improve. When I walked in this morning, it was like, oh, this is way better. (laughs) It was just that lovely feeling. And it probably took me 10, 15 minutes last night. It wasn't a long project. But also because I've been experiencing for a while, I knew what I wanted to be different and a couple of enhancements I could make. And I found some things that I was looking for. So yeah, it was really energizing to just get rid of the stuff that wasn't working and improve the stuff that I wanted to. So yeah, it was a great thing to do and taking the few minutes and I have to be in the right brain space a little bit, but it was quite refreshing and energizing. And it's actually, a lot of people have started decluttering a lot Mm -hmm. sooner than I have. Mm -hmm. That gene is not factory installed. (laughs) 
in me, I've decided. Mm -hmm. But as of this week, I'm starting to like messes that I were able to ignore are now starting to chatter at me. So I think my house is going to end up a lot tidier than it used to be, which will be a really good thing. I'll be, you know, mm -hmm. just living in a more pristine environment will be quite enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think our brains are tied to our stuff. And if we got a lot of stuff, our brain is tied down with the stuff and it's not available for new thinking. So I said, you know, I mean, it's available anytime because there's always something that's not tidy in our life. If you're creative and you're an achiever, you're always creating messes. It's like scaffolding to build a new building, you know. And our messes generally were setups for actually an achievement. And then we had the achievement, but we didn't take down the setup. We didn't take down the scaffolding. You know, it'd be like all the new buildings in the town, but nobody's taking down the scaffolding. Then you wouldn't get the full value and pleasure out of building a new building if you didn't take down the scaffolding. What a great way to think about messes, Dan. I never... Well, they are. They are. It was something we did to set something else up. You know, that's really what you know, messes really, really are. We had to do this in order to do the thing we really wanted, but then we didn't go back and clean up the setup. My feeling is just make a list of 10 things that are possible within a very short period of time. And yeah. I mentioned today, tomorrow, the next day, well, I wouldn't go beyond the next week. Right. With You know, if it's Sunday, well, by next Saturday, I will have this done. Mm -hmm. But it could relate to possessions, you know, and that covers a universe. You know, the property that you have, spaces, relationships, paperwork. Wardrobe's a really big one because most people have a closet full of garments, 80% of which they haven't worn in a year, sometimes two years, three years, four years. And every time they go in, they say, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to wear that again. But you never do because it's time is gone. You know, right. you're trying to remember a pleasure that you had out of it in the past, but there's no comparable pleasure in the future. So maybe it's time to say goodbye. Right. So the cleanups are really, really great. And there's another thing. It's not exactly a mess, but it's an incompletion. So there are projects you know, there are all sorts of projects in our life where we started it and it's still going, but we may have just completely lost the purpose for it. We may have completely lost certainly the excitement for it. You don't have the excitement for it. And you're kind of committed to it in your own mind and you may be committed to it in terms of commitments to other people. It was a commitment, but now it's an obligation. Right. Okay. A commitment is where your heart's really in it. An obligation is where your mind is connected to it, but you don't have any motivation towards it. So you just complete those. And one way to complete this is to simply say, I thought I wanted to do this and no, I'm not going to do this. And what that does is it frees your mind up from thinking that this is something that you still have to do. Mm -hmm. I like that, Dan, because you decide to end it rather than keep going back to it. It's like a mess, like throw it out or deal with it. But the incompletion is... You know, if you decide that you're just, okay, I'm done with it, it's over, even if it's not done, done, that's the same burst of mental energy that you get back from cleaning up a mess is when you decide something. Or you put in probably the little bit of time or effort or mental energy and you get it done, I would imagine, and then all of a sudden you don't have to think about it anymore. You get to check it off the list, mm -hmm. which if you like checking off lists is very fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, the great public example of this is... 
bureaucratic programs that get started for one purpose, but the reason no longer exists, but the program is still going. And now the purpose of the program is to keep the program going, even though it's using up money, it's using up time, and it serves no purpose, but because circumstances have changed, the economy has changed. And there's just so much of this right now that we're seeing in public life. Why are we even paying for this? Right? I mean, yeah. people say, well, it's my job. You know, my job's attached to it. Yeah, but your job is worth nothing. You know, why are we doing this? And so a completion is, you know, you talk about this a lot with the team members because you coach the entrepreneurial team members and the key people in the entrepreneurial organization it's called open file syndrome. You have open file syndrome, but there's open project syndrome. A project was opened up and it's supposed to achieve a certain result, but there's no reason for the result anymore. And there's no motivation to keep moving forward, but the project just has its own inertia. You know? That's a great point, Dan. And by the way, that is the definition from my political science course a million years ago. The definition of bureaucracy is exactly what you described, something that had an original purpose, but then eventually the purpose just is to keep it going, even though the original thing is fulfilled or no longer relevant. The moment that you have a budget and an employment around a project, yeah. it's very, very hard to stop it. And even entrepreneurial companies can run into that challenge. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's this is actually a pretty incredible time, actually very incredible time, to take a look at those things and go, okay, what was the purpose of this? Is it still providing the value that we want? Can we do something different? You know, there's a couple things we, we do at Coach, and we've been doing it the same way for a long time. It's like, oh, how could we reinvent that? How can we make it more relevant? How can we make it more fun? Or should we stop doing it? I actually find that quite energizing to look at how to do things in a new and different way. But unless there was a prompt or an interruption, I would have kept going in that same track because that's what I was used to, and that was the habit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've had commitments to cities where we were going to do the strategic coach workshop. And after a while, we said, you know, this just doesn't make any. I mean, the amount of work it takes to create a workshop here, it's not even profitable. We just have a commitment and we're doing it over and over again. It's hard because there's emotions attached to it and there's relationships attached to it and there are promises attached to it. But they don't have any energy anymore. Yeah. So that's a completion. And the other thing is a simplification, mm. that you have methods, you have processes, you have techniques, you have routines. They're kind of automatic. You don't have to really think when you're going through the motions because you know all the steps. But oftentimes, after a while, a lot of the steps aren't even necessary. You can come up with shortcuts, you can come up with bypasses, you can come up with replacements, uh, or you can just eliminate the routine or the habit altogether. So it's not quite a cleanup. It's just that you thought in the beginning that it would take 10 steps to complete this. And everybody said, yeah, you absolutely have to know each of the 10 steps. But after a while, five steps would actually be a better solution. And so you get rid of five of the steps. And that's really what technology is as a successful outcome of teamwork. Mm -hmm. When humans first do things, first of all, there's an individual who sort of has an idea of a result and then puts a team around it. So the team gets a result and then the team gets real skillful and real successful. And then the, 
the team can do it automatically without even thinking about it. But the whole reason for the result may have changed. And it's not a proper use of live human teamwork. Maybe we can just create a technology or an automatic process that actually does this for it. And my sense is Nick Sonnenberg from Leverage is really a good example of this. Nick will come in and he can look at anything that you're doing and probably find two or three ways to make the steps shorter or to eliminate the activity altogether. Yes, and I was just talking to him recently because he has a new service where he will come in and help you analyze your processes and streamline them. And he's an efficiency bear. Like he is just on it and hates any kind of waste. And he's also a tech guy. So he's brilliant at those automated teamwork things, which is technology. I like how you talk about that. And it's interesting because I've had some pretty profound results in my own teamwork experiences, especially with one of my early team members, where process had just gotten really bloated. And it was a sales process. And we had a great number of sales. And it was like, oh my gosh, I was like, that was incredible. Best sales two-week cycle ever. And her answer was, I never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's not what I was hoping to hear. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, why not? Well, every single one of those sales had 24 different steps to it. Mm -hmm. So you multiply the number of sales she had, which was in the double digits, times 24 was a lot happening. And so it was like, no wonder. So we pulled out our tool called Unique Method and we slashed and burned that sucker. We got it down so it was much more doable, but it just happened. Things had built up and seemed like a good idea once and then we tacked it on. That was probably my pivotal experience in recognizing that at that point it was fun to sit down with her and help simplify it. And things that I was not attached to, she thought we had to do, And so the together, the two of us just made that sucker really simple and it was fun. And then it was energizing. Then we could move ahead again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really powerful thing for companies to do. Again, it's out of that habit. It's out of just, you've always done it that way. It was comfortable and technology is growing so quickly Mm -hmm. that there are tools out there. You just have to be looking for them in your expression you know, eyes only see and your ears only hear what your brain is looking for. If you're not looking for them, they're not going to come into your world. But if you are looking for them, you're going to be incredibly efficient and effective with your systems. But it takes that perspective and mindset or you're not going to bother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. So we've got freed up time. You've got a new budget for new activities. Uh, We've done cleanups. We've done completions and simplifications. And this is a different one. The last one, it's kind of like, you know, the song from The Sound of Music, My Favorite Things, (laughs) you know, and it's actually bringing back into your life things that have been very enjoyable and satisfying from your past, but you gradually didn't have time for them or you just didn't make time for them. Mm-hmm. For example, you and I are both passionate readers. Yes. You know, I've just brought reading, especially fiction reading back. I've always kept up to date with, you know, my nonfiction subjects like geography and politics and mm-hmm. world events. So I'm always on top of that. You know, my mother encouraged me to be a junkie of world affairs and her instruction took, you know, and the internet has been a super help for me. But I had gotten away from fiction reading and giving up television was an encouragement. And there haven't been that many good Hollywood movies worth going to the theater for in the last number of years. 
So I've really, really gone deep into fiction. And there's so many great fiction books that are hundreds of years old, but great writers, great plots, great characters, and everything else, at least once or twice a month, going back to a 18th century, 19th century novel and reading it. And they were amazing works of art. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, that I won't call it a hobby, but it's more like routines that I get a great deal of pleasure out of. And strangely, one of them, and you know it because we're in cottage country, very close to each other. We're in cottage country because of you, <laughs> uh, you and Bruce, that I really enjoy the whole thing of taking care of certain things, jobs around the house, like washing the dishes after a meal. I have this passion for a clean kitchen after a meal, you know, making sure the bed is made before you leave the bedroom and making sure the laundry is done. And I do shopping. So the rule is with some of the big stores, just have one person in your household responsible for shopping and try to cut it down to maybe one trip a week. So every Saturday I go shopping and bring home the goods. And Bab says, you know, she says, good boy, you know. But I really love that. I really, really feel good. And those who know me might find that a bit strange about Dan. Because I'm really big on delegation, too. I'm really big on having lots of who's who do all the house. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can pull out things that are enjoyable from that just for the sake of enjoyment. And I think that probably what happened is that your regular routine about what you have found enjoyable got interrupted, maybe stopped. So this really is the replacement. These mm-hmm. are replacement. And who knows, maybe these oldies but goodies will actually now go into the future in a way that's appropriate. I have to tell you a story. This is one of the, a little pleasure. So when I first got to know Babs and we moved in together, she had a Sony clock radio. It's a little oh, yeah. uh, nothing clock radio. I mean, it's an ugly tan color and the sound quality is really Just getting it on the right station is quite a trick. Mm -hmm. But we all use it to wake up in the morning, and we never have the radio on. It's been with us now for 37 years. And I said, it's a wonderful technology. It just does one thing every morning and does it well. It's solid state, you know, it's not one of the old tube Mm -hmm. radios, it's solid state. And I just love that little radio. And it's just a nothing piece of technology. But right. but it's been with us for 37 years. Every time we're at home and we wake up in the morning, it's what wakes us up. And I said, I love that little radio. And I <laughs> hope it never wears out. I love that little radio. I love that, Dan. That's funny. And I have a similar one my dad gave me when I was 18. And it's beside my bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it always works. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's like, I don't know if you could buy one now that would last that many years, because that was a long time ago. Yeah, and I think it's been on the same station for the last 15 years. You know, I mean, sometimes if we have a housekeeper that they'll turn the radio on and they put it on AM or something, and then they don't put it back. And I said, oh, you know, I feel I feel totally disrupted by this. I mean, I make mistakes in setting the time sometime. Yeah. And then it doesn't go off. And I said, well, of course, you made it p.m., not a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's happened. It's 5 o'clock, but it's not 5 o'clock a.m. It's 5 o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. So the thing I'm trying to get across is that 
pay attention to your favorite things in life. And the whole point is, this isn't other people telling you what your favorite things are. This is you saying, these are my favorite things. Mm-hmm. We spent a fair bit of time together in different locations. And you do, you love setting the table, getting ready for dinner. You know, we'll tidy up together sometimes if I'm there. And to my mind, it's one of those, a little bit ties back to number one with you've got some freed up time. And so I know that when I'm not rushing as much, which I usually am, I can slow down my pace. I can take pleasure in those small, sort of sometimes more domestic things. I'm really enjoying walks around my neighborhood. We have a dog. And I'm really liking seeing the flowers and the leaves come out on the trees. I've always wanted to kind of see spring happen because normally it just sort of happens to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden. But I'm actually really enjoying every day seeing a little bit of progress, which normally would never happen because I'm always on a plane somewhere. So there's these little joys that you get to kind Mm -hmm. of appreciate. Marilyn was talking about this or my mom, our colleague. She's fascinated by what she's fascinated with and seeing things she hadn't seen before because we were always so busy. So there are a lot of little joys lying around which I think is really, you know, focusing on what's available is what the theme of today is. And there's a lot of really cool things available if we just stop and pay attention. Yeah, and so we've covered a lot of ground since we decided to go deep on these strategies. But the whole point is just facing that an old normal isn't normal anymore, that it's strictly up to your creativity, it's strictly up to your intentionality to say, well, the world I can create now because something's been taken away from me is going to be better than what it was. So the the best part of my life actually lies in the present right now and grows into the future. So that's really the whole scary times thing. What you thought the world used to be isn't coming back, and now we're moving forward. And how can you take that as an opportunity and become creative with it and start to appreciate things in ways that you haven't before? Mm-hmm. And Dan, I, I think actually counting up your freed up time, you know, time not spent commuting, time not spent traveling for us is a big one. Focusing on those cleanups and completions, even if you just decide, okay, it's done, whatever form it is. Simplifying things that had gotten really complex or complicated, brilliant way to feel good. And then as you talk about really focusing on those satisfying experiences or hobbies or habits that maybe you just weren't paying attention to before is such a great way to focus on what's available and create your new normal in a way that's even better than the old one. Mm -hmm. You know, just going back to something, let's take this opportunity to make it even better, which is always and be in motion. I love that. It's like, okay, let's come out of this better, stronger. These are some fabulous ways to focus on being able to do that. Thank you, Dan. As always, I leave our conversations energized and confident. I know other people do too. So very much appreciate this. Thank you very much, Shannon.